Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. This is Rigor, host of Then Is Now Podcast, and welcome to episode four of the Cult Movie Lounge, where we discuss all cult films all the time. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, writer, and award-winning blogger, Robert Manel, of the I'm in a Just Franco State of Mind blog that he's been doing since 2006. It's been a while, Robert. How's it going? Good, uh, Rigor. How's it going with you? <laughs> good, good. Yeah, we, good. we had the kind of the stumbling block of the holidays and the new year, and yes. now we're back in the swing of things. Yes, glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. So today we are going to discuss three horror films, Bay of Blood from 1971, The Mutilator from 1984, and Nightmare from 1981. And I do want to throw out a spoiler alert that we may end up spoiling some of these movies. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to check them out, they're available on various streaming services. In fact, I found... um, uh, Bay of Blood, I found it on a, uh, I, I was have the Roku, and so I just did a search on that, and a nice print of that came up. So that was Yes, we should, we should mention all these films are slashers, so we're going to be concentrating on the slasher genre. Uh, Bay of Blood was one of the first ones, and the, it didn't really, the slashers really didn't start like until Halloween, like which was years later, but we'll be talking about that more. Yeah, yeah, and this, you know, some people... Um, some people kind of start the slasher genre with Psycho from 1960. Right, yes. And then I think Peeping Tom was another one. Yes, yeah, both 1960, both great films. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Bay of Blood, of course, uh, Friday the 13th from 1980 borrowed quite a bit from this movie. But I, I think, like you were saying, Halloween in 1978 really kind of um, really pushed the slasher genre in America, at least. Yeah, it, popular, it was a huge hit. It popularized the slasher genre. Psycho was a huge hit in 1960, but it was really criticized for being too violent, too kind of, you know, erotic. And uh, it was, uh, Peeping Tom really wasn't that popular of a movie, but that was very criticized in the UK for being uh, much too violent and crazy for, you know, viewers and critics were attacking it. So it really didn't really start up again until uh, the the 60s kind of got more into gothic horror and Hammer films, which weren't, they had a few slashes too, but it really didn't really get picked up until 1971 with Bay of Blood, Mario Bava. So I guess that's a good place to start. 
Okay. Let me give a quick synopsis of the film, and then we'll talk about Bava. The, the film goes as follows. The murder of a wealthy countess triggers a chain reaction of brutal killings in the surrounding Bay Area as several unscrupulous characters try to seize her large estate. So, Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about Mario Bava and some of his movies? He's a, he's a wonderful filmmaker. I love his films. Yes, yeah, so he's an Italian filmmaker, and he, uh, he, he, he was really famous for one film, Black Sunday with Barbara Steele, yes. which was released in 1960, the same year as Psycho and Peeping Time. That was a great year for horror movies. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, those are slasher films. Psycho was a huge hit, uh, and uh, Peeping Time wasn't so much of a hit. They were both criticized for being too violent, but, uh, but Black Sunday, uh, Mask of Satan is, the I think, the UK Italian title translation it's about a witch who's like reincarnated in from the 15th century and she's reincarnated into like the 18th century and barbara Steele plays a witch she's a beautiful witch but she's a witch and she's causing all these problems at this castle and uh the the, the count there dies a horrible death he's causing people to die and, and but it's very atmospheric it's very filmed in black and white really i love black and white old black and white gothic horror films and this is probably the creme de la creme of those type of films and it did very well in america it was released in america and uh i think they cut some of it It was considered it's pretty violent and it's got it's pretty kind of sexy for that time but he really became famous for that because it was one of the best films to come out of italy um you know they didn't really make horror films that was the one that really hit all around the world because it was so well done by Mario Baba, and then he made several more throughout the the nineteen sixties. He made Blood and Black Lace, which was a Jallo, and we'll probably do a separate show on Jallo films, which are a whole other genre, which is more like a kind of a, a murder mystery. Okay, with right. usually usually a guy going around with black leather gloves killing people, but those were big, like in the mid sixties, and uh, the slasher film is even more like a kind of the mass murderer type film. Okay, it's a it doesn't really it's not so much who done it it's more like how they did it and uh it's kind of they're very violent and they um you know that's the kind of films they were they they take they take the murder mysteries like the old hitchcock murder mystery even psycho to like the 10th or 11th or 12th degree you know because they just fill the screen with blood and gore and that's what happens in band blood as, as you were saying it's a lot of people get killed trying to get gang control of this property. It's a it's a bay, scenic bay, and somewhere in Italy, and uh, they're trying to get the rights for it so they can start like a an amusement park there. Right, right, and it's funny because this was one of those movies I had to watch it twice, and I have seen it before. In fact, I was going through my videotapes for some other reason, and I came across um, Bay of Blood that I had videotaped somewhere. I don't, I didn't actually get a chance to pop it in to check it out, but I, I'm going to watch that one soon. But, um, so I don't know if I recorded it off of cable or if I recorded it off of, you know, another videotape back in the day when you could do that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 well, I I just wanted to say, I, I did find this plot a little confusing. I had to watch it twice. And like I told you off mic, I write soap opera news for a living and those plots can be real convoluted. So this, this was a challenge for me. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, because it doesn't tell the story like in a linear way. It starts off with kind of off. You're seeing these characters, you're not sure what they're up to. Then you're seeing a different set of characters. But it all comes together at the end. 
And that's the thing. Yeah. You got to watch it till the end. And then you kind of got to watch it again and say, aha, now I got it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. But I, I kind of like, that's what I kind of like about this film because it kind of, it kind of immerses you, it draws you into it. So you got to kind of pay attention. If you don't pay attention, you kind of lose the plot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, because there are so many characters and so many things going on and people plotting against people and right. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, I mean, I remember seeing Halloween when they come out, 77 or 78. 78. And um, that was just about like, that definitely is a slasher film. Okay. I mean, we could just do a whole show on that. Okay. And yeah. about this guy killing people, but you, you kind of, you know, and then there's a Donald Pleasance plays a, a psychiatrist is hunting him, and then there's this girl, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, and, and, and you know it's 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 it, you could tell it's a, it was very much influenced by that, and you kind of I I, I remember I've seen it like two I haven't seen it some people have seen it like twelve times I mean it's got like twelve sequels we're talking about Halloween here <laughs> yeah I mean I I like the first I like the I like the first one or two of them but you know I think they really they really kind of overdid it but yeah it, it, it's it, it's a movie which really captures your attention. And you got you pay attention to it, and, and it's very minimal. It's there's not a lot of gore in Halloween, it's, right? You know, it's very simple plot, but it mm -hmm. works because the characters aren't obnoxious teenagers that get killed off and hacked and slashed through the whole movie. It's like you kind right. of you get to know them at the beginning, right? And I thought that was good. It's it's well. I thought it was John Carpenter, whoever he wrote with. They did a good job of creating characters, and they made it interesting. They made it, you know interesting to watch and but you had to pay attention and and, you, and it works at the end yeah but, yeah but going back going back to bay of blood yeah that's it's on youtube also by the way if anyone wants to see it just just type in bay of blood on youtube and that's a really right, good yeah. a really good quality print comes up you know and i mean today it wouldn't be considered really an r-rated film even but it's it's got some pretty gory parts to it oh yeah it was pretty gruesome and i guess in in 1971 there was this um Avoriaz Film Festival, and that's where it, it had the world premiere. Uh -huh. Christopher Lee attended it, and because he wanted to see, you know, Bava's new film because he was in the Whip in the Body, and yes, which was eight years prior. And I guess he was just like utterly revolted by the film. <laughs> yes, because it's a very different type of horror. Like I said, Bava in the sixties, early sixties, he made this Black Sunday. And there's really you see the the nuns burned alive at the end, but it it doesn't really show it, you know. Yeah. And it's it's kind of very civilized type of, of you know, gothic horror. And then the whip in the body, he's got some, it's got some kind of kinky scenes in it. Some, but it's nothing like the Bay of Blood because you get people being skewered in the Bay of Blood. You get this girl who gets her throat cut and close up, and it's it's really extremely gory. And then another couple are making love and they get they get skewered. And then the guy gets the machete in the face, and that's only a few. That's only a few of the murders I mentioned. Right. There's like twice. There's like twice as many murders as that. But those are pretty gory. I mean, that really set a new standard. Oh, absolutely. And you know, as we touched upon, you know, Friday the Thirteenth from 1980 uh, borrowed quite a few of the kills from this movie. Yes, I understand. You know, I've never seen Friday the Thirteenth. I've seen part of it, but I, for some reason I got distracted. But I, I've heard that there's part. You know, how many of those are there? I mean, part oh. one, part two. There's like 10 or 11. I think there was, I think Tim Lucas, the critic Tim Lucas said that it was part two or part three that he borrowed even more from uh, Bay of Blood, you know? Oh, yeah, they, I didn't they, even think of that, yeah. They, they, they kept using different kills from Bay of Blood. <laughs> I, I Personally, Bay I love the Friday the 13th franchise, and I highly recommend if you watch, if you at least watch parts one through four and then part six. That's all you really need to see. 
Right. In there's, the films. So, there's so many of them. <laughs> it's a thing. And, and then they had like, who's the one? Who's the killer? And and is it Jason? Yeah. But they had Jason versus another killer and. Uh, oh, Jason another... versus Freddy. Yeah, yeah. Right, Jason versus. Yeah, that's now, a fun uh, movie. Now we're going off topic, but right. I, I like I, I I like Wes Craven too. I liked him. Okay. Yeah. But I, I'm not really a fan of the Friday the Thirteenth. But going back to Bava, and I think Wes Craven, he was an English teacher. He knew about foreign films. I think a lot of a lot of the smarter directors, a lot of, who were into good filmmaking, saw that. And like John Carpenter, he was he's a really kind of cult movie fan himself and i think he saw that and he said i could do a an american version like that of a intelligently written decent you know slasher film and he did yeah yeah and this movie won um at the festival i mentioned the avoria's film festival which i have no idea where that is but um it won it won best makeup and special effects award um and i guess carlo rambaldi did the effects right he did and he um he got special mention uh, oh, at the at the Stigis Film Festival for this right, movie. Right, that's a, that's a, that's that's one in Spain. And of course, Carlo Rambaldi he went on to do E.T. Yep. And cl- I think he did Close Encounters of the Third Kind, didn't he? Didn't I he, think so. Yeah, I think so. Did, didn't he create the? Either the, I know he's done one or two with Spielberg, creating creatures, you know, like in E.T. and you know aliens. And he's he was in the '60s. He was working in Italy, Carlo Rambaldi. In fact, I think. Even before, even before this uh, Bay of Blood, but he was known like for Soren Sandal films for creating the monsters in those films, like these, you know. And he would do work like that. But in Bay of Blood, yeah, I mean, I mean, the killings there are just really, I mean, they're gruesome, but they're really well done. It looks like it's really happening. <laughs> right, right. I found um, a confusing thing here, though, about the writer. I mean, Bava, of course, you know, wrote this movie, but it, there was a co-writer on it. And in my notes, I have Dardano Sacchetti. Right. Oh, that's right. He was supposed to have written this film. That's what it was. Um, but he didn't... Um, I don't think he worked on this one. It was, at least according to IMDb, if I can look that up here, it's Giuseppe Zaccarello. Right, and he is a producer of the film, okay? Right, yep. So he he put the money up for the film. The film probably wouldn't have got made if he didn't put the money up. So I think he came in, and Mario Bob had an idea, and I think... I think the producer said, well, I want to have some input into this. So I think they both wrote the film together. You know? Right, right. And, uh, and I think maybe the producer, I think, might have said, well, let's put some real violence in this. We want to make money, you know what I mean? And, and Bob said, okay, I'll do Bob was not only uh, an excellent director, he was he did the camera work, but he was a special effects technician in Italy before he started directing. So he, he worked on some of those sword and sandal films too, or he'd work on the monsters, or he'd work on lighting effects where he'd work on, you know, like stuff like that, you know, so he, so he was an expert on it. He had Carlo Mabali. So they wanted, so I guess they put together some really, really special effects that weren't, had, hadn't been done before. Like in Psycho, you never see the woman get stabbed in the shower, but you think you do. Okay. Right. Because of the editing. Whereas here, when somebody gets killed, you see the, (laughs) (laughs) you see it all. You see the knife, like, like, uh, you know, Talk about Rod. You should talk talk about the machete in the face. Were you, were you ready for that? <laughs> you know what? I I think I kind of was, like I said, because I had seen it when I was a kid, so I wasn't totally surprised. But right. yeah, once that happened, that made me think of a scene from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. So, okay. <laughs> but, but like like in, we, we can mention this like in this film, Bay of Blood, there's a scene where a guy opens up, somebody's knocking at the door, something's going on outside, somebody's getting, and he opens the door up, and you see a machete comes down. 
taps his face into. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what happens? I mean, that's what happens, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's like stuck right in the, in the center of his it's face. A, and wasn't it, there was the father, too, when the father and the, and the mistress were in the bed and the father gets it in the face after she gets her head cut off? Right, right. But, you know, when that machete comes down in, the, in that, that scene, that sh- the first time I saw it, that shock, because I, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I wasn't expecting it for a guy to get a machete. And then it gets pulled out. He said, yeah. ooh, that was hurt. But th- <laughs> it, th- that's one of the most gruesome special effects I've ever seen in any horror film. That goes way farther than Psycho or Peeping Tom or any of those films. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think that set a new standard. Now, when I showed it American Drive-In under the title of Twitch of the Death Nerve, they had this promotion where you had to like, they had to give you like a final warning when they're selling you the ticket. Okay, so the ticket seller would say, "No, this is a really violent film. You're buying a ticket for." That that was in the advertise, the you know, the promo, uh, the in the newspapers. And you know, when they showed it in the U.S., it had this: "You get a final warning before watching this film. It's one of the most violent films ever made, and it was for that time." Yeah. Oh yeah. Hands down. Yes. It was yeah. like you know. I think the most violent film I'd seen up to then was. Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. I mean, that's a really violent right. film. But that's a Western. You kind of expect to see people getting shot all over the place. But this is like a mystery film, which all of a sudden people are getting their faces chopped open. And uh, and just before that, a girl gets her, you know, throat cut by uh, by one of those hooks they used for fishing, you know what I mean? So, oh, and the, the, the machete itself had like this curved end to it, too, which yes, I thought was yes. interesting. Yes. Yeah, they used... Uh, some of the... Objects they use to kill people are objects used for fish. Fishermen use them to like grab fish out of the water. You know they they have hooks. And this also is in a mutilator too. Also, by the way, right, right. Yeah. Um, one other thing I just wanted to throw out there that I thought was really interesting was um, the the location of this film. It was actually at Zacariello's um, Sabaudia Beach House and the property right. around there. So that saved the money. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you film at the producer's house, okay, so there's no, you don't have to rent anything, right? Yeah. And then then you get a few, I think they, all the money they put into it is for the actors and for the special effects, the gore effects. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's what, if the guy, if you're filming at the producer's house, you get, a, I think he had more time to film two, he said, well, you know, we'll just do this and do it right. We don't, we're not going to get evicted. I, I own the property and, but it looks like a real resort on the way they film it. You know, it looks like it's a, it looks like a, you know, real remote and it's really well photographed, you know, it's the way it's done, you know? Well, that, and, um, you know, they use strict photography too, because there was, apparently there was only a few trees around the house and they made it look like a forest. Like I couldn't even tell watching the movie. I believe yes. there were yeah. woods all around, you know? It looks like, it looks like, it looks like a heavily wooded area. Yeah. Like, and then there's this uh, villa in the middle of it. So you really can't tell. And Baba was that's one of the things he did. He used these matte shots or these special effects where he would show an area, then he would like put a matte painting, which he would do himself over it, and then photograph it, and it would look like you know, it would look like you know it was really a forest there, <laughs> but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and he did it. So he saved a lot of money by doing. He knew how to do that. It was not everybody can do that, you know. Right. Right. And it doesn't look cheap. It looks like it's real, you know. And that's another thing. It looks like it's well done. And that's what he spent his whole career working on, like these sword and sandal films in the fifties. Like Hercule, he worked on the first two Hercules films, doing those type of special effects. Yep. And then he became a director. So he was really ready to do this film technically, and he got a producer, and they did it for very inexpensively. And the film made a ton of made a, 
a ton of money in the U.S. under the title Twitch of the Death Nerve. And I never saw it. And I never went to the drive-in to see uh, No, I think I did go to the drive-in to see that, but I think I was drinking that night. So I don't <laughs> think I remember too much. We used to go there with a you know six-pack of beer, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and, they, and I think they showed that a lot with um, Slaughter Hotel, which is another slasher town slasher movie, which we should do a whole other show on, which was pretty gory. Slaughter Hotel. It sounds but, familiar. With Klaus Kinski was it. Oh, right. Okay. Right. And uh, that's a, see, there's a million of these slasher films. So it's good we only have three at night. We're going to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and there was something else I was going to say about that. But yeah, the drive-ins, man, they, they served so many great movies. And I'm going to try and look right. up uh, newspaper ads for this mo- for these movies that we're talking about today. And I'll, I'll post them in the show notes. Yeah, the because website. they have these lured advertisements, you know. I mean, I remember yeah. going to see it. I do remember going to see that double bill and you could like bring you drove in there you could bring, bring a six pack of beer and no one hassle you you know what i mean so right i would go to a few friends and meet you watch like three or four movies they have three or four movies like they have two slasher movies and they'd have like a war movie and you could sit there all night you know <laughs> and oh, yeah. watch these things i mean I, I used to love going to the drive-ins in the 70s they still oh, have them they still have them but they weren't as kind of wild as they were back then on the nation show right like Biker films, and they would show the violence. They wouldn't cut the violence out. They would show all this violence. There's one near me that every um, every summer now, the guy shows on, on Saturday nights, he'll play midnight horror movies, like uncut, you know, really classic okay. slasher. It could be anything. It could be like John Carpenter's The Thing, or, or we saw that. We saw The Shining. Um, oh, wow. And then there's... Are- what? Those are pretty violent. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there's some awesome ones, and there's a there's a place in um, uh, Pennsylvania, Riverside, Pennsylvania, the Riverside Drive-in. I'm sorry, it's in Vandegrift, Pennsylvania, and these two guys, uh, George and Gene, they put together um, a film festival every April and every September, and they have four movies on a Friday and four movies on a Saturday, and they'll have a different theme, and it's all these great movies that you and I talk about. You know, it's it's just wonderful. Right. Yeah, I guess they they show them maybe late so they don't cause traffic accidents when people see this stuff. <laughs> well, I don't think you can see the screen from the from the oh, street. Okay, so. well that's good. Yeah. No, the, 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 they had a few driving showings not too far from here, but they showed all nice movies that I didn't want to see. You know, movies, you know, movies with, with no violence. Or right. Yeah. Like I said no. That's too. I'm not going to go out all that way to see so and you and i we've we've touched upon mario bava before we we kind of briefly a while ago we mentioned hercules in the haunted cave and right. house of exorcism so we're definitely yes. going to have to circle back and talk more about bava in the future right you could do a, we could do a whole show just on him I mean, people, yeah people yeah. you know i mean he's got people know who he is now they really back then people didn't know who he was except i, I remember i remember seeing one called baron blood okay oh yeah and it showed, I remember I had to go to a kids' matinee to see it, you know, back in 1972. <laughs> and it was pretty gory for a kids' matinee, you know. Right. I mean? They were showing people getting, you know, you know, in the Virgin, you know, Virgin of Nuremberg, you know what I mean, where they put where they put a guy's body in it and he gets all these metal spikes in them. And yep. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe how, it, and then I came out and I saw it and they advertised it, Mario Bob, I got to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Then I, saw no, then I saw another one of his films that was driving locally, I think a year later, called Kill Baby Kill. Yep. Which kind of a gothic film, which is probably his best film, really good film. But there's very little violence in it. It's more it's more like a kind of a, a dream like, you know, surreal violence, you know. So. Right, right. So <clears throat> that was our discussion on Bay of Blood, also known as Twitch of the Death Nerve. It's got a couple of other names too, Blood Path and Carnage, which I thought Carnage, was right. I, I I think the I think the real the the original Italian title was something like 
it translates to something like chain reaction, but in Italian. Okay, I can't remember the exact title, but that's what that's what the movie is. It's like a one one incident causes another incident causes another incident, and the in a more progressively violent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So next up, we're going to talk about the Mutilator from 1984, which is also known as Fall Break. Um, right now, the brief synopsis here is a college student who accidentally killed his mother as a child decides to take his friends to his father's fishing cabin during fall break, not knowing that there's a crazy killer stalking the place. I didn't want to give away who the killer could be. Right. Um, but they kind of telegraph it right at the beginning of the movie. It's, it's actually no right. surprise. Usually you don't know right. who the killer is in these. <laughs> now, let me tell you a backstory about this film. Okay. Sure. The first time I saw this, I, I live in a, a small town in uh, New York State called Syracuse, and they used to have this thing called the Syracuse New York Film Horror Film Festival at the Palace Theater, which has since collapsed because it was so old. Okay, but this is about like almost ten years ago, or a little bit less than eight or seven or eight years ago, and they had this movie called The Mutilator and all these other films they showed between noon and midnight, and I had never heard of it or seen it, you know, and uh, and the film the film's director was there. Okay, oh wow, and I, I buddy. Buddy Hooper and I, Buddy Cooper, Buddy Cooper, really nice guy. He talked about the film, making the film. He produced it himself. He he financed it himself. It took him like ten years to pay back the money. He had to, he borrowed all his money to finance it. So it was the only film he had ever made at the time. Since he's made a sequel to it, it wasn't a big hit, but it was it was known from slasher movie fans as being one of the goriest or one of the creepiest horror slasher type films. So I talked to him and then. I kind of said, you know, I'd like to do an interview with you for my website. So I, I did it. I ended up doing an internet um, kind of email type interview with him, which was published on my one of the websites they have called Cinemadrome. Okay, it's on tapatalk.com. But in any case, I did a nice interview with him, really nice guy. And I asked him if he had, had ever heard of Mario Bottom. He said, no, he never heard of him. I said, have you seen that? He, he never saw any other slasher films. And I said, well, where did this come from? And he said, well, I just thought it up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I said, okay. And, um, Apparently they changed it. I think I think Fall Break was the original title because it's about a like Spring Breakers, you know. It was like about a Fall Break, and it, I think the producer, the guy who put up some of the money, or friend of his, said, you know, you should change the title because that sounds too like nice of a title. You got a lot of violence in this film, so apparently a friend of his said, change it to something really that's going to get people to see it. So they changed the title to The Mutilator. Okay, that makes sense because the theme song is Fall Break. It's someone singing about right. going on Fall Break. <laughs> right, it's a really, and I said, what? And I asked Buddy Cooper, director, why did you pick that song? He says, well, it's about a bunch of teenagers going to have a good time. That's one of the, <laughs> the and it's fall, fall Break. I said, okay, but but then the film turns into a massacre. You know? Right. <laughs> but So he laughed about it, but, I, I, you know, the Mutilator is a film. I mean, if I had to choose between The Mutilator and Fall Break, I'd go see The Mutilator, okay? Oh, absolutely. But then when they showed it at the film fest that I was at, I said, okay, you know, the, the title Fall Break, I said, okay, they must have changed the title, okay? <laughs> and it's shocking from the word go, because, I mean, it starts out with, you know, that scene, if you want to describe it. Yeah, the little kid accidentally kills his mother, which I didn't get that until I read online the synopsis that I thought, Something else happened, and the mother died, and the father blamed him. No, 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 no. He was that. He was. Um, he was playing with the father's gun. Oh, that's right. And he accidentally pulled the trigger and went through the wall and killed the mother. That's right. He yeah. didn't. He, it was an accidental killing. But that's another thing. Yeah, it's not, it's another film you kind of got to watch closely because it's, I think it's really well thought out and done. 
and uh, because there's a lot of things you might miss, you know. But yeah, the whole idea is he didn't mean to do it, but it affects his whole life. You know? Yeah, yeah. And this movie is just absolutely fun from beginning to end. I there were I a agree. lot of comedic elements in this movie too. Right. You know, I usually, I usually don't like that, but I thought it. I thought it was. I thought they worked in this context because the violence, when it comes, is so violent. You need a break, you know. <laughs> right, right. Like there's one scene where, um, I don't know the gr- the girl. Uh, there's you know there's like three couples together um, staying at this cabin, and uh, one girl says to the boyfriend, you know, you better hurry up and go go check out or go lock all the doors because I've got a surprise for you. And like all of a sudden, the scene the film speeds up as he's running quickly to put his clothes on and run out the door to to do right. what he's got to do. <laughs> right, right, because he wants. Get back to the girl, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's like nice humor, like almost television type humor. We sent, but then it would be followed by a really incredibly grisly scene. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Now I saw this uh, back in the eighties. I rented it with a buddy of mine. Uh, we were in high school, so his sister would rent us or would let us rent a ton of rated R horror movies, and we would like every weekend we'd go and rate, rent like a stack of them. And I saw this one and um, Three on a Meat Hook. And what's funny is the the poster for this always confuses me because I think it's the poster for Three on a Meat Hook, and it's not. <laughs> they they use the same graphic, didn't they? Um, no, I just looked it up, actually. And they're, they're, there's people hanging up, but it's very different. Okay. If you do so a yeah, Google search. I never saw Three on a Meat Hook. Is that good? Is that a good one? Uh, it's not as good as this one. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I remember... That was out in the 80s, too. I can't remember which one was first. Um, well, I can look it up real quick. 19, 1972, it looks like. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That was long. Okay. That's that's like 10 years before this. Okay. But yeah, I never saw that one. Like I said, I wasn't really into slasher films at that time. Okay. Yeah. Except, except like I said, I had seen Twitch of the Death Nerve and this other one, which we, we'll have to do a show on uh, Slaughter Hotel. But those, those were only two. So then I saw Halloween. But I know I three and music I missed, and then I saw this show where I met the director for the Mutilator, talked to him, and then I realized, boy, this is, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to see more, you know, slasher films. It's, it's a genre which I missed back in the '80s and '90s because I was going to more like art films and stuff like that, which are kind of really kind of thinking man's type films. Yeah. So I, I wanted to get in somewhere I could just take my mind off of things, you know. So. In a, in a slasher film, it, it allows you to kind of, re, you know, you know, think about, you know, just what's in front of you on the screen for like, you know, right. hour and a half. You know, one thing watching it this time around, too, I kind of felt like, like the actors, I, I originally was like, oh, they're just bad actors. But I was thinking the more I watched it, the more it was like, they probably just didn't have the budget to do enough rehearsals beforehand because they, they delivered the lines well, but wasn't a hundred percent convincing and I felt like right. if they had just had some extra rehearsal time they could have really had the synergy between the four character uh, the six characters that have to be together you know right now that's another thing I remember talking with the the director and he said um, he said most of the money was put up by buddy Cooper the guy who wrote and directed the film and and the co and I think the co-producer put in some money but he put up most of the money and the other guy so they both had all this money so he said they really couldn't do, he said all the money went into the special effects, basically, you know? Yeah. And and and, 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 and they did, and I think the house they used, he said that he, he knew the people who had the house. So once again, it was like Bay of Blood. They had the vocation, they had the idea, but once again, the money went into the gore effects. He didn't have a lot of money to like get really, 
expensive, you know, good actors like Bill Murray or somebody like that. They just got anybody. And these the actors are just, I, th- I think he said he just knew them from the town he, he lived in, the down south. And they got good. They were like theater act, community theater actors. Yeah, and you could tell that, but they had just enough money to make the film. Interesting, but the, yeah. The, the special effects, I think, really make it outstanding, yeah. which we should talk about more. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, just trying to think off the top of my head what, what some of the best ones were, though, because there was so many good kills in this movie. Yeah, there, there really are. There really are. Um, I mean... Oh, go ahead. No, I think I, I, I think I think the, the one that really got to me is when they're... Because he starts hanging the bodies up. The killer starts going... He starts hanging the bodies up, you know, in, like, the garage, okay? <laughs> and, you know, the whole idea of killing someone and hanging their body up by putting a meat hook through them is pretty grisly. <laughs> and that's the thing about this movie is it checks off all of the slasher movie tropes. You right. You know, the body's all put together in one room. and Right, yeah, right. You right. know, the people being separated and they, you know, somehow the killer is able to get around without them seeing him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it has all the tropes. It has all the tropes, all the cliches. I just, I just thought it worked. I mean, I really, I really thought I said, oh, this is a lot. It's a fun movie to watch, and it has some great gore effects, like you said. Yeah, yeah. They, um, they, uh, the kill count is. I'm trying to find. I had it written down somewhere, but the kill count is pretty high in this movie. <laughs> it's like, right, right. Not right. everybody makes it through the movie alive. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, we get two people killed pretty right away, almost. And then you get two people killed. With much more gore kind of towards the end, you know, and um, you're not too sure if the final couple is going to make it or not, you know, and, uh, and that's when it gets really gory because I it really I thought it, I like the way it kind of captures attention, captures suspense, and you know, and you really don't know who the killer is until like the end when it shows you who's actually he comes out of the shadows and you see who it is. I have to say the one kill that really. It, it, even watching it this time around, because uh, I had forgotten about it, actually, really made me cringe. And I was just like squirming because it was so horrifying was when he takes the hook to the girl and he just like jams it in her crotch and then up through her lower abdomen. Right. That's the, that's what got me, too. You know, that I mean, that's, the, that, that, that's the ultimate violence you can do to somebody, you know, because you're <laughs> that that was very brutal. And, and it looks once again, it looks real. It doesn't look like it was. You can't see it. It doesn't look like it was fake. It looks like it's really happened. Right? Yeah. And then he hangs her up after that, too, you know. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, but <laughs> but it, it looks 100. I mean, it didn't look real to you. It doesn't look fake. And that's what makes it squirm. I say, oh, my God, this is horrid. This is horrible. I mean, it looks like it's really happened. I don't know how they did it, but, you know. Oh boy, it looks real. And that that's the thing, too, that makes this movie work is that the effects are really good in it you know right, you could right. tell all the money did go to the effects you know yes yeah right that one right and and you know and once again it's like uh, and then her before that her boyfriend gets it you know and the killer also uses these different type of tools he's like he's like a person who has a lot of tools he has a garage full of tools okay right. he has like uh, skewers he's also a sportsman so he has like these all this fishing gear like well, we talked about that in Bay of Bloody. It's like those those kind of hooks, which you use to like get fit when you're fishing, you know, and you can't get the fish in a boat. You like, you got it's called a bill hook. It's got like it's like a circ. It's got it's like a machete with like a turn at the end, so you can like, you know, get hook the fish, get them in the boat. Sometimes you use them for sharks, you know, 
to get a shark into the boat. Right. A small shark. Right. Yeah, I, I remember they had. Um, I, I went to the Bahamas like years ago and uh, went went on a deep sea cruise and I, I caught two small sharks. Okay, and oh, one wow. of the one when they when they see you got a shark on the line, what they do is they get, use one of those bill hooks and they like actually chop its head up. They don't even want the damn shark in the boat. You know what I mean, they like chop its head up, let the body go in the water, feed the other sharks, and then they like flick the head so the head goes off too. They, you know, they. You know they, they don't want any sharks in the boat because they're afraid that even a small shark can bite can bite you. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't yeah. want they don't they don't want to hurt the clients. You know, you know we're, they're going after like we were going after like grouper or some of the other fish that don't bite. You know. <laughs> what was that tool that he used? The dude opens the door and he's got no shirt on and it's got this gas powered, really long, almost looks like a weed whacker, but there's a blade at the end. Right, 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 and it, yeah, that's another one. It's he's got all these tools. Which are used for practical things, like he uses the bill hook for fishing because he's, he's got all these trophies around the killer. Um, you know, he's a fishing nut, so he's got all these hooks and things used for fishing, which can be used to kill people. Then he's got other type of tools, which he uses to repair things or for the house. Okay, yeah, I think it was a weed whacker or it was some kind of things, something they use for um, for landscape. Right, and probably to cut cut branches off that you can't reach and a tree. Right, you know? yeah, that's what it's used for. But it yeah. can use on a person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right in the guy's chest. That was really right. good. And that's the thing you don't expect to see that type of thing, but you've seen used in other contexts in this type of context. Yeah. So I, I think that's what I liked about the film. And I said, okay, this is neat because they're using like these things which you see like in other like in like in fishing or. In, in landscaping, but they're using it to kill people. <laughs> right. Now, are you aware that Buddy Cooper uh, made a sequel and it's coming out pretty soon? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was. That's why I said he made this one film. We talked about that. He, it took him. The film didn't do that well, immediately, but now it's become like a cult film and it hasn't done well. But when it first came out, it didn't really make it. Made just maybe it's, it still didn't even make the money back. So we had to pay back his loan he had to take out. And he, he was really diligent. He paid a bit. He paid him back. The bank thanked him. But then the mutilator became like a cult film just in the last few years. And now some like British companies, it's out on like this, it's like on this exclusive like Blu-ray in the UK where you can buy it with all these extras. And it's become like a real cult film. And he made enough money from the merchandising of the, you know, the, of the film years after it was made that he invested in another film called The Mutilator 2. I haven't seen it, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. And when is that supposed to, I don't even know when it's supposed to open, but when it um. opens... I'm going to go see it because well, I got to interview the director. <laughs> Fangoria just released in January. They released the trailer um, for I, part two. Let me see if it says online here. Mutilator 2 is back in May. Oh, no, okay. I'm sorry. It wrapped filming back in May. Um, so let's see if it says a date. Uh, no, f nothing further to report this time, but though Fangoria will let us know. <laughs> Probably come out this summer. That's a summer type film. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, jealous. I'm um, got jealous. Slasher films are usually summer type films because it's usually people, you know, especially the Friday the Thirteenth, are always by the water. Or yeah, they have blood which is in the water and getting killed in the water. And and that I don't know what he's going to do in this new film. Whether he's going to use the same houses <clears throat> or he's going to keep, he's going to bring the same cast back. I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, but you know, he was a really cool guy, really nice guy, and. He actually said he thought he had had a script for a sequel when I talked to him, but 
I was. I said, "Well, good luck with making. I'm glad he could make it. You know, we'll have yeah, to see yeah. how it is. I mean, I mean, I'll go see it. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. I definitely got to keep my eyes out because I want to see that in the theater. Right. Yeah, that's the kind of film. And that's another thing. Um, slasher films play better, I think, in the theater than if you're sitting at home and watching them right. alone. Because yeah. You got the big screen. You got the audience screen. You know? Oh yeah. And, you know, and at the driving, I remember people would beat their horns when you had a gory scene for that kind of film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that was The Mutilator from 1984. We, we both recommend you check that one out as well. It's a, it's a fun, fun movie. I mean, even people who are cut in half still do things in the movie. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> Okay, folks. And next up, our third and final film is a movie called Nightmare from 1981, which is directed by Romano Scavolini. It's also known as Savage Hunt. Um, in 1980. So, um, Robert, can you speak to that? Is it was there a different? Ver- we were just talking off mic about how there's different length versions of this film. Was that one released prior, Savage Hunt? No, that that's another one of his films. Actually, it's a whole different film. Oh, I'm sorry, I misread my notes. <laughs> okay, right. That's a film he made before Nightmare. Okay, right. But it was it was made in America. He was an Italian director. He came to America. He made this film called a Savage Hunt, which is um, totally different film, but it was, I think it, it was the first film he made in America. And then he made Nightmare, which is, I think the Savage Hunt was partially filmed in Italy. Then he made Nightmare, which is a to, uh, an American production, but it had Romano Scavellini, who was Italian, and the camera person, the cinematographer was Italian. And before that, he made films, and he made a few Jallo-type films in Italy, so it's important to know that, that um, were kind of very violent Jowl type films, but not as violent as Nightmare was, and uh, so yeah, so that, that that's a different film. Um, but no, Nightmare came out in the UK under a different title, Nightmare in a Damaged Brain. Okay, and they released it in the UK in a cut version for theaters. They cut some of the extreme violence out, but then this this local uh, video store owner had a uncut video of it which he was um, renting to people. And the, in, in back then in the UK and England, if they caught anybody distributing a film which was banned in England or the, a version that was banned or to show certain kind of scenes, he was arrested and got a jail sentence because of that, okay? So that's a right. kind of a iconic story about the background of the film. Um, and it's been out, it has a number of DVD releases here. Uh, most of them are cut in one way or another. Uh, I got to see, I think, a long version. Um, it's very hard to find an uncut version of it because it's been cut so many times and they've tried to put it back together again, you know, because it's an extremely violent film, which a lot of people, it's too much for some people. Right. And I guess in, in Australia, they released it under the title Schizo, which ran only 89 minutes. So most of the gore was cut out of that one. Right, yeah, that's a, that's a, I've never seen that title, but I can imagine, yeah, I mean, the, the uncut version, I think, would be about 10 minutes longer than that, so um, I would think that, yeah, they would cut out most of the violence in there, but once again, in Australia, they had really strict censorship laws, okay, and that was probably in the 1980s and or 90s, and if you ordered, like, I, I have a friend in Australia who hopefully we can have on the show in some time in the future, and she, I remember she said she ordered a Dario Argento film once, a Dario Argento film in the 1990s, I guess, when they were still banning them. They didn't like those kinds of films to come into the country. And she never got the film. 
and they, they, <laughs> the customs wouldn't give her the film because it was considered too violent. Oh, I think stupid. it was an Argento film, but um, if, if we can get her to come out, she could tell us about that. But they have totally different laws over there and in England in the, back in the 80s and 90s. For videos which are considered too violent, they were called video nasties in England. In Australia, they had a different name for them. And you could, if you were if you were getting them by mail order, mail ordering them from another country, they would just take them, the Postal Service, not to say, no, you can't have this film. Yeah. <laughs> some, <laughs> some people actually got arrested for having possessions of very violent or very kind of sexy films, which they didn't want people to have. But this was in the UK once again, and in Australia. And uh, in the United States, uh, uh, that kind of thing really, really didn't happen, okay? But there it did. And this was like considered, you know, the the bad boy of all those films because of some of the scenes in it. Maybe you can talk about some of the scenes we're going to be talking about. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into that, too, I wanted to mention uh, something you had touched upon was that um, apparently the press material claimed that Tom Savini did the f the film effects and I'm sorry, did the special effects in the film, but he's denied it. Yet, um, the Scavellini said it was incontrovertible, incontrovertible that Savini contributed to the film, and he said, "I never understood why Savini has denied having worked on the set." Um, but they think it might be because he had a salary disagreement. Yeah, now you maybe you should explain to the audience who Tom Savini is. Some people might not know. Well, Tom Savini is one of the greatest um, special effects guys of our time, particularly for horror movies. I mean, he, you know, got his start on working with George Romero, and I, I know he did Dawn of the Dead. Did he do Night of the Living Dead as well? Tom Savini did uh, Dawn of the Dead. He, yeah. he designed all those incredible gore effects for the film. And once again, that was a film that was cut several times too. Oh yeah, because for violence. But I remember seeing that as a drive-in when it first came out. That's a, that's a great film. I think that's one of the greatest um, horror films, American horror films in the nineteen seventies. But then they should. But then they should. Then Dario Argento bought the rights for the film and, and recut the film for Italy. And they actually cut some of the violence out. So um, I've got, I've got, I've got, and that was called Zombie, okay? So it's it, Zombie, Dawn of the Dead. And he, he rescored it with some of his, he put, he had, Dario Argento used a band called Goblin to do the right. music for, for right. Suspiria. So he rescored the film with that. I've got that version, but it's, it's, it's toned down a lot from the U.S., original U.S. version, which is really, Incredibly, I think it was really unrated. It wasn't even rated. It would have been rated X probably for violence. Yeah. And Tom Savini definitely did the special effects for that. He was in the movie Martin by George Romero, which is my favorite Romero movie, about a vampire. He played a role in that. Yeah. And there were some gore effects in that. And then he, you know, but he, he you know, he's known for basically Dawn of the Dead. That made him famous. And he did Friday the 13th, and he came back and did part four as well. Yeah, I don't know, but I've, I've, I'm really not from, that familiar with you. Know more about that than I did. Yeah, but he's a very well-known, probably the most well-known, highly paid special effects guy. So now, what's interesting is if you want to go online, if anyone wants to go online and find it, just type in Tom Savini Nightmare. There's actually pictures of him you can find on the set of Nightmare. Okay, right. <laughs> and, and, he, and he's holding an axe. Okay, he's holding a, an axe. There's this big axe murder at the end and the beginning of the film. We won't try to spoil it for anybody. And it's the most glorious thing you've ever seen. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And, and you can see Tom Savini holding the axe with the actors who are in the film, you know. So he was there. <laughs> and um, nobody knows why he's 
But if they got photographs, I mean, if they photograph you there, you're there, you know. So, um, you know, with a prop. So apparently there was some kind of dispute. I think he might have been helping him out. And and um, he said, it might have been they said, okay, he said, I'll come to settle help you with some gore effects, but just don't put my name on the film, okay? And they, I think they, his name was used by some of the, not scabbling, but by some of the distributors saying, well, see a film or Tom's, and I think I think they made him upset that he did this consultant work and, you know, just to be a nice guy. And then he got his name dragged through the mud. Then the film got this bad reputation because of the violence. So I, I think it was something to do with that, but no one knows for sure. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that was part of the reason why. But well, he was definitely, he definitely was there doing some of the special effects. Okay. Right, right. He might have just been pinch hitting and didn't want you know people to know that he was doing it for free. Yeah, that's what I think. He was. I don't know. If he, I don't know if he did do it for free, but this one special effects, which I read an interview with Scavellini, it's a beheading in the film, and it really looks pretty gory. It's a, it looks like it's really happening. You know. Yeah. It's a it's the best type of that. It's the best done scene of that type of violence I've ever seen, and you, you can almost tell that somebody it would take somebody like Tom Savini to do that because he's kind of like the number one guy but that type of special it's a it's a it's the glorious most <laughs> disturbing special effect i've ever seen i don't know if you'd agree with me if you remember what i'm talking about which one the beheading scene oh yes yeah i was just going to decapi- mention that the decapitation scene that's the scene we're talking about yeah yeah and uh and that the very violent scene i think that was the scene they called them out because because it's done in a way which is very, very realistic. And and the director wanted, you know, they he was he fought tooth and nail to not get scenes cut from it because he felt the film should be a scandalous event, quote unquote. You know, he he right. it's not meant to be entertaining in a pleasing way. It's meant to disturb you. Yeah, it was meant to do that. Yes, because you got to remember, Dawn of the Dead. I mean, that was. That was a film, when that first came out, I remember I saw that as a drive and it wasn't edited or anything, it wasn't cut. But at that film, I was even thinking it had an R rating on it. I think, I think if they submitted it to the rating board, it would have gotten probably an X rating for just for violence. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and this nightmare was made years after that, you know. And, and this, this did get an X rating in 117 New York theaters. <laughs> it did get, okay, it did, okay. Yeah, yeah I, and that's the thing, I've, I was a real horror buff back then, even for some slasher films. I never saw that. I never saw Nightmare. I've only seen it on, you know, a video and then DVD. You know, yeah. I've never really, I've never seen it on the big screen. So it was rated X in New York theater. You know, I, I can understand that. But of course, if you're rated X and you can't get, then you lose your part of your audience, can't get in. Maybe teenagers want to see it. They're not going to be able to see it. You know, so right. that, can, that can work against the film, too. And, you know, like you said, you mentioned the beheading with the axe. There was, you know, the axe in the forehead. Uh, there was strangulation with cheese wire. Um, yeah. Yeah, throat you got, slashed. <laughs> you you name it, it's in that film. Stabbings. I mean, shotgun death. It's it's insane. This movie is just insane. I yes. love it. Yeah. No, no it's good. It's You got to be ready for it, though. I, I, I don't know. I imagine some of the people listening to this might not have seen it. And... Uh, and uh, you know it's a, it's an extreme film, but it it's it's an interesting film because it kind of it, it kind of goes where the other slasher films don't go. <laughs> right, right. And I thought what the plot was interesting too, because it was about this the dude who um, they basically try to reprogram his brain. He's become a killer, 
and they try to reprogram his brain, but then things trigger him, like because he saw, you know, his his parents having sex, he went nutsy cuckoo, and yes. so he walks into a strip club after he's been supposedly reprogrammed and cured, and it triggers him, and he just goes nutsy cuckoo again, you know, and then yeah. he follows his ex-wife all the way down to Florida, and just the, the craziness and savagery ensues, you know? Yeah, and that's, I think that's the whole point of the film, because it's, it's, a, it's a bit like Halloween, because remember Halloween, I think the, the main character, I haven't seen Halloween in years, the main character was in a mental institution, right? And um, right. He, esca he escapes from there, and the doctor from the mental institution is tracking him down at Pleasance. Yeah. And, um, and and this character, the main character here, is kind of a, in a mental institution at the beginning, but he's very, he's being reprogrammed um, to, supposedly they cured him, okay, but <laughs> I think the point is that they made him kind of worse, okay? Yeah. Because uh, they, they use all these different experimental drugs on him, and they made him even crazier for some, you know, because some people, you know, go crazy, you know, some people, you give them certain type of drugs that a normal person might benefit from, but if the person's already crazy, they can go even crazier. <laughs> and I and wonder I think, if this movie was kind of a statement on mental health at the time, because yeah. it was really sort of, I mean, I guess the early 80s wasn't quite the beginning of it, but we were still learning about mental health. So I wonder if it was a statement about how, you know, we really don't know what we're doing, at least back in 1981, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think I've, I remember reading an interview with Romano Scavellini after the film came out and there was all this controversy. He actually went back to Italy, I think, I think because... There was so much stuff. I, I don't think they would hire him to make another film. They said, okay, this guy, he's really bad. But in any case, <laughs> he, he said later, I was reading in the 1990s, however, there was a book about Italian horror directors, and he said in the interview, he said, yeah, he said that I wanted to make this film to be kind of a shock people and to be a critique of like the films like Halloween because to show like these people don't really get cured in these mental hospitals. They, they get experimented on. They're used as guinea pigs. If they if they ever let them out, they'll go bananas, and that's happened. That's actually happened in real life. You know what I mean? They let oh, somebody yeah. out of a mental institution, and they're even worse than when they went in. <laughs> and he said oh, that's yeah. the he said that's 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 what happens in the film. This guy goes in there, yeah, he's a, he's a little bit crazy, understandably so because of his past, but they made him worse. And and by the end, he's totally he's he's like a, a time bomb. And, and Scavelin says that's what I wanted to do. I don't think anybody understood that who saw the film, though. They just saw this film and said, oh, my God, this is too much. But, yeah, it makes a point, and that's why I would recommend to go see it, even if you don't like slasher films, because at least it has a plot point. It has a thema thematic point, and it's very well made, and it looks like it's really happening. It's If you can find an uncut version of it or, or, or you know, or some kind of version which is decent to see. I mean, I, I like I said, I have a, a, a DVD of it, which I think one, one of the cuts is on your you you have a, a version with three different cuts on it, right? Three yes. different versions on it, okay? I mean, there's all kinds of different... They were supposed to release a deluxe version a few years ago with a new print, which was totally uncut, but it never happened. So we'll have to wait. Maybe five years from now, they'll finally find a, you know, a totally uncut print of the film. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I found about um, Savini, too, is it said that um, the there was an artist named Cleve Hall who was kind of, he managed the crew when they were in Florida, doing right, the Florida right. locations. And right. he said um, Savini's connection, Tom Savini's connection to the picture was that the filmmakers had initially wanted Savini to oversee all of the effects. But Savini, however, recommended his friend Ed French for the project, but French opted not to sign on. 
Right. So again, right. it just adds to the mystery of why right. Samina was on set. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Now, Ed French is another guy who does gore effects. Okay. Yeah. Like and he he's done. I remember, I've got this DVD of a of a film. It's a foreign film with Klaus Kinski in it. It's called a crimi type film. It's a, he's mur- the preceded the Jalo. It's called the Bloody Dead or something. Or um, but he actually was hired to add more gore to the film to release it on American DVD and tape. Okay, so he has extra. So he did that type of he did that type of stuff, you know. And so Tom Savini knew he was skilled at that. So yeah, hired yeah. French. But if for some reason they, I, I don't think he, I don't think he was offered enough money to do it. Who I don't know what the problem was. That was Nightmare is not a really a really huge hugely expensive film either. They use good actors but unknown actors okay yeah uh the, the main character and its main actor baird stafford was only it was only that, that that's in another scavellini film called dog tags about vietnam with only two films he was in he lived in florida all his life he just died like a, a few years ago in the last few years in the 60s but um he, he he i think he knew what happened but he never you know he did some interviews about it but i think it was a matter of you know Tom Savini showed up to help him with some of these complicated special effects at the last minute. Didn't right. want to re- didn't want to take the credit for it, and then they not Scavini, but since he's the producer of the film, really wanted to make mo- big money. So he said, "Well, if we put Tom Savini's name on the post saying special special gore effect with Tom Savini, it'll make a lot of money." I think when he saw that, he kind of said, "Oh my God, I did not want that to happen," you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he made any money off the film whatsoever. I think he was just trying to help somebody out. Right, right. You know, it's, and it's, it, I, I don't know. This movie is just, it's, it's one of those ones that there's really a lot of layers to it. I think it it's right. deserving of um, repeated viewings. Yeah, it definitely is. I've, I've seen it a number of times. And the more you watch it, the kind of more you want to go back and see certain things. Say, hey, I miss, it's that kind of movie, say, so you can miss certain things about it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, Kind of like Dawn of the Dead too. I mean, I've, that's that's the kind of movie I've I've got several. I've got the European versions of it. I've got several. It's the kind of movie. There's so much going on, and you can go back and watch. Like, oh, okay, I, w- I want to see that effect again. Right. How they did that. Or there's just so much in it you can watch. And that's what it reminded me of. It's, it's kind of like I think George Romero really influenced a lot too. And Romero was probably the best of the American, you know, horror filmmakers. I'm sad that he you know passed away at a relatively young age, but he, he was really, you know. The, the best of the best, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, um, he stood his ground and kept his independence as a filmmaker, you know? Yeah, he kept his independence. He didn't he, he didn't work with the studios. Who, I think he maybe made one or two films, but he realized that he would just get screwed if he worked with the big money guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and so, you know, uh, but he was the best. I mean, I, and I, 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 like, I like the other guy, um, you know, Wes Craven, too. He made some really good films like, you know the, the fun house that's another one we should do a future show on so but you know yeah um it's good if if, if, if any of the listeners can search out a movie called nightmare <clears throat> try to get the uncut version from they'll, 1981 1981 they'll, they'll be really um uh surprised <laughs> yeah oh absolutely absolutely one last thing i wanted to mention about tom savini was it just occurred to me um he's recently retired from actively doing special effects work because he's uh-huh. got arthritis. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, so he just supervises these days. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how old I, I know he was in he was like a he was like a still cameraman. I think he was in Vietnam actually. And I think I, th- I think he was actually in Nam when it was happening. I think he was like photographing 
seen I think you're right, you know yeah. I, mean? I, I remember reading that about him once. He, he was he was known as a that you know kind of like a journalistic camera person, and then he got into gore effects in the seventies films and really talented guy. I don't I didn't know he retired. I, mean, I, I mean, he he's still like supervising. That. He just can't do the hands on stuff because of his arthritis. Right, and and that's the kind of it's a, he's the kind of guy who needs his hands because he builds things. You know, right, right, exactly. He, he, he's a hands on, so he can he can like make a, a dual beheading and make it look like it's really happening. But he has to like you know. Yes, like you know, put the you know put the things a certain way, you know the the tube so it looks like the blood squirting out, you know. Right, right. And, and, it, and, it, and it really does in that scene. It really looks like the blood still fountaining up in the air, you know. And his work is always as realistic as possible, so it's right, right. really it entertaining to watch. Yeah, and like I said, I've seen a lot of horror films. I, I hate that when the, they do all these gore effects, but it all looks fake, you know. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, that's sickening. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, so just to reiterate, the films we covered today was Mario Bava's Bay of Blood from 1971, The Mutilator from 1984, and Nightmare from 1981. So we, we highly recommend that you seek these films out. Like we said, uh, Mutilator and Bay of Blood are easily obtainable on streaming services and YouTube and all that. Nightmare is a little bit more difficult to get your hands on, but if you can, we definitely recommend it. So Yes, sir. Robert, well, this is What? Thank you, Roger, for having me. I was going to say, thank you for joining me. This was fun as always. And, folks, you can find me at havenpodcasts.com. And if you want to send us your feedback, send it to havenpodcasts, that's havenpodcast, plural, at gmail.com and put Cult Movie Lounge in the subject and we'll read your letters on the air. Join us again next episode. just heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com